my tag on Twitter is seedling. It's exactly as it sounds. That's C-E-D-E-L-I-I-N-G. That's two I's important in there. Okay. That, wait, <laughs> wait. C, 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 E, C, E, D, E, L, I, I, N, G. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how it sounds. Yes. I'm Alan Girding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and sometimes even under the gaming table. Talking about board games, card games, dice games, games, basically. But realistically, we're talking about stories. And with me, I have one of the nicest folks in the entire board gaming industry I've ever met, at the very least, the nicest to look at, because you're a very handsome gentleman, sir. I'm with... Andrew Christopher Enriquez, better known as Ace. Hi, thank you for the kind words. I think that uh, you're quite fine to look at yourself, sir. Thank you very much. I've told you this before on social media, but you have pictures that seem so professionally done. Like you wait for the sun to be in the perfect spot and it explodes your eye color. I, I want to ask now, How are you getting those pictures done? So I went to school for graphic design in college. I went to school for two things, for graphic design and computer animation, like 3D animation. Um, I use neither one of those skills, although I do use (laughs) a lot of Photoshop skills in my selfie game. It's a little embarrassing how much time I spend on my selfies. Is it so embarrassing you don't want me to reveal this on our podcast? No, no, it's fine. I'm not a humble person. Multiple, (laughs) Multiple hours per image of editing. Well, it works, sir. (laughs) And I don't think you disappoint in person, but you know what we should do for the uninitiated? Let's imagine everyone in our small tabletop industry gets their own playing card. So it's like baseball cards, but people in the industry. Could you describe what your playing card would say on the back? Oh, my playing card? Yeah, basically like your bio. Um, So yeah, I used to do a lot of development for board games. I also did a lot of digital prototyping in TTS for a lot of different publishers and a lot of different independent um, designers for rapid playtesting. So I did a lot of those. I have like 40 or 50 of them under my belt. So your name is in a whole bunch of instruction manuals in the back is what you're saying. Mm, No, not really. It's kind of on the DL. What? So do you feel cheated that your name isn't in these games then? Because you've put the work in, you play test, so you feel cheated? Uh, No, I get paid for the services, so it's not part of a contract, right? For me, that's not something I require. So a lot of the stuff I do is literally on the DL. Are you even allowed to tell me then? Are you even allowed to say? Not all of them, because a lot of some of the larger publishers don't want their names being known that they use TTS to play test. Because sometimes if you admit that it's a thing, then you have to kind of fight the piracy that exists on there. So they just like turn a blind eye to it. So they just kind of don't admit it, which is fine, which is fine. And I totally know what TTS means, but let's just pretend I don't. Could you remind me? Yeah, that TTS stands for Tabletop Simulator, which is a an app on Steam 
for playing board games. It's like oh, a yes. physics sandbox, but with a really robust card system in it so that you can import files and play board games. Yeah, so you can actually play board games using your computer online. What's the barrier to entry? What's the cost to actually get into TTS, Tabletop Simulator, and start playing some other company's games? Well, it's $20 for the game, if the system, the engine, if you will, if you yeah. buy it full price, but it's like on sale half of the time for half off. So that allows you to play any of the DLC that is the user-generated content, or you can buy into the official DLC. Got you. But if I was a publisher and I release a game, do you then have to pay for that game as well? Well, so it depends. Again, a lot of it is user-generated content. So if I wanted to play, for some reason, Two Rooms and a Boom on it, and it didn't exist, I could spend the time scanning my own cards in and creating it. And a lot of it is that. Yeah. But publishers can go to them and have like officially paid DLC if you wanted to go that route as well. It's funny, I talked to Isaac Vega and Ashes, his game is on TTS. I believe it's TTS because there's another competitor to Tabletop Simulator. What's the one that's a... Tabletopia is the competitor. Tabletopia, yeah. And I don't remember which one it was, but someone said, oh, I play Ashes on Steam through it. And he was totally surprised. Like, well, I didn't know that. Right. A lot of publishers don't really care because it's almost advertising. Because if you're going through and playing Steam, you may be more likely to buy it in person. I'm not going to mention any names specifically, but there's a lot of publishers who have to say, I didn't know that that was a thing. And they very fully know because it's technically piracy. And if you don't fight your you know, trademarks, then you could lose them. So, Oh, that's interesting. You have to you know, kind of play the game. Let's go on with your resume. So you did some development through the Tabletop Simulator. You got paid for it. Yeah, so... What else? So also, I um, do a lot of work with BGG TV, doing producing their live TV content for convention coverage. Yes, and that's where I normally saw you, at conventions where Board Game Geek is exhibiting. They're constantly doing that live Board Game Geek TV streaming service on their website, boardgamegeek.com. And normally I would see you working behind the scenes, behind the camera, doing the computer thing. Clickily, clackily, clickily, clack. Yeah, I, I love producing. I don't mind hosting, but I just like the behind the scenes stuff. So other than that, I'm one of the co-founders of DFW Nerd Night and the producer and one of the main hosts of the Nerd Nighters, which is the YouTube and Twitch show that covers all of the Nerd Night activity. And that's going to be the story of the episode, because yeah. let me explain to our knaves, knights, and listeners alike why I invited you on the show besides being friends with you in person. Oh, by the way, one big reason you should even be on the show is you may not know this, knaves, but Ace is the one who taught me how to play Keyforge. I did, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah at the last BGG Con. I love that game, and I think a big part of that because of how well you taught it and how you let me win, even though you're on this crazy winning streak. Yeah, I'm still a little salty about that. I'm still a little salty. <laughs> so I lost <laughs> I lost that game to you playing a deck that is nearly unbeatable. It's been beaten four times now. So it's just a really good deck. And this is before the official OP rules came out. So I was using the organized play rules in that for every three games you win, you have to take a chain at the start of the game. 
Yep, you did start with a disadvantage. Yes. You did, and that should be said. It was so unbeatable during BGGCon that I'm like, you know what? Let's take the chains at the start, and then you promptly beat me. <laughs> Even though you were playing with your unbeatable deck. <laughs> like, nope, no more OP rules. It's been beaten a couple times now since. Some of my local friends have like found some weaknesses in it, but... I had that strong combo that was ridiculous right away. I just had an amazing starting hand, but... Let me talk about why I invited you specifically on the show is because I've always thought you were fantastic. You did a great show with the Nerd Nighters, and you've always been very charismatic. Well, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Nikki Schultz through Moon Rat Media has the podcast Let's Find a Ghost. And I was a guest on that show, and it's basically where they get guests to tell their ghost stories. And I told some of my ghost stories, but then you came on that show... listening to Let's Find a Ghost, the first, best, and only podcast about ghosts on the internet. I'm your host, Nikki Schultz, and on this show, we'll be talking to real-life people who have experienced real-life encounters with the unknown. Then myself and my panel of experts will decide if our guest has indeed found a ghost, a screaming Mimi, or a Dracula. On this episode, we talk to Ace about creepy closet ghosts, religion, and chips in the brain. That is still my favorite episode of that show. When you come on and talk about how you had <laughs> horrible experiences as a child with ghosts and you told the story so well, I could tell <laughs> that person can tell a story. I've got to get him on the show, perhaps even as a regular, because you are indeed a bard. It's funny because you came up to me at BGGCon when we were playing Wavelength and you were like, man, that was such a great episode. And whereas, to me, the story got told out of order. So it was like, wow, really? I'm glad you really liked the, the episode because it was completely messed up from how it was supposed to be that told. That was the crazy thing. It was almost <laughs> like saying, that's a nice dress. Oh, this old thing? Because normally the suspense and tension is built up way more before I provide you the grand reveal. Right. My past with ghosts. <laughs> Let's get right into it. Let's talk about the story of Nerd Nighters. There is a, a gentleman named J.R. Honeycutt. Some of you at home may know him. He is a board game designer in our industry. Super nice guy. You can help influence the beat. One of the most affable. When I first met J.R. Honeycutt, no joke, He's the first person that made me feel like a celebrity. And that's just how he treats everybody. Like, oh my goodness, it's so good to see you. And it's so good to meet you, blah, blah, blah. First time I meet. And every time I see him, same thing. But go on. He's definitely a character. He's definitely a character. He's my best friend. He moved to Chicago. This is before I knew him. He had moved to Chicago for a job in the stockbroker or something technical, stock exchange, something. I don't know. He moved to Chicago to go work for a startup company. And he didn't know anybody in Chicago. So he got some of his stockbroker friends who played magic and he threw himself a birthday party at the bar and they had such a blast. He decided to throw himself a birthday party every month. Like, why not just have a birthday party every month? And they decided to call it Nerd Night. They called it Northside Nerd Night because it was on the north side of Chicago. And that's pretty much what it was. It wasn't really a birthday party. It was just like a party where you got together and played Magic the Gathering, some board games in a bar in Chicago. Nice. A couple months after he started that, he moved back to Fort Worth. And he had been gone for a while. He was in college for a while, so he didn't have a lot of local friends. So he said, why don't we start another thing? 
and call it Nerd Night here. So precursor to that, I did not know this gentleman. He had just moved back to town. I had just taken a new job. I work in the oil field. An oil man. <laughs> Prior to this, which was 2013, I believe, I had been working all day, all night, you know, just getting sleep, living on the job for like 10 years. Suffice it to say that I hadn't been playing board games in a long time. And I took a job in management where I was home every night. So all of a sudden I went from working 168 hours a week to 40 to 50 hours a week, specifically to be home more with my kids. I'm kind of a workaholic. I needed to dive back into. Keep your mind occupied. Yeah. Idle hands, no good. So I had a friend who played Warhammer 40K who worked in the oil field, and I asked him. He's local to DFW. I'm not from Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm not from Texas at all. So I asked him, hey, where do people play games at? What's the, like, scene in Fort Worth? He listed off, like, a bunch of stores in the area. And one of the stores has like a chain of game stores in the area. So I went to the wrong one. I went to the one south of Fort Worth when I should have went to any of four or five that were way closer. Okay. And I went there and I and I told the, the manager at the time, hey, when is your board game night? And she said, how's Thursday? <laughs> and Thursday works great. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. So like, this is your normal thing? And she's like, no, it's a thing because you asked. Okay, cool. So JR had evidently come in the day after that. So I went in on a Tuesday. He went in on a Wednesday and said, hey. This is serendipity, the wrong location at the right time. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so he came in on Wednesday and said, hey, when's your board game night? And she said, funny you should ask. Someone came in yesterday and she told him Thursday. So we went there, same night, and he had went to a couple other stores in the area. And one of the other stores the week prior had a game night start the same exact way. A couple guys who didn't know each other started. So we all ended up at the same game store on the same night, five of us, not knowing anybody, wanting to create a board game night. Did you want to share the name of the game store to promote it? Oh, you know what? It was so long ago. Uh, I think it was... You don't even remember the game store I know store the name, name of the game store. I don't know if it exists anymore because we have collectively moved... I think we're on our like fourth or fifth game store now. Anyway, um, so we all started board game night together. It's all our own board game night because we all five of us started it. I came in to start it. JR came in to start it. Right. The other guys also came in like it's their game night, you know, so it's it's no one yeah. specific person's game night. And we've all five of us have been best friends ever since that day. There's a lot more people in the core group now, but we've always been really close since then. JR told us about this party he was about to have, calling it DFW Nerd Night. This is, again, his birthday party, not anywhere near his birthday. He's just transplanting the Chicago idea mm -hmm. and taking what he learned there and trying to apply it with you and three other people is what you said? Three other, yeah. I, not all of those people for local game night came to DFW Nerd Night that first time. Okay. I think there were 30 people the first uh, month that he had it. I, he, I think he may have had it one, one month before I was there, but it was mainly stockbroker friends again. Okay. <laughs> of his. Right. I think 30 people that month. 
Uh, that was September. And then we did it again in October, and I think maybe 45 or 50 people came. Wow. So November, I said, hey, you know what? D don't like people get some turkeys together to give to people for Thanksgiving? Like, should we do like a food drive or like some kind of like meal or something? Like we have so many people coming. Maybe we should do this like for not only say for charity, but like surely there's some people who could use our collective help. His wife at the time, his ex-wife, Amy, found a local hospital that said, absolutely, yes, if you guys want to bring food, we'll distribute it. Absolutely. So we did that. We ended up having 60 people that, that third month. And Dang, how are you getting all these people? You went from no regular game group to a game group that now has 60 people? You have to tell me the secret sauce. The party had 60 people. Our Facebook group at that time, I think we may have been up to six or seven hundred people it went very fast it was like holy crap it was like so so anyway that first the first month we did for charity we raised 17 meals for different families so the hospital told us what we needed in each basket so we raised enough money and food that we fed 17 families full thanksgiving meals wow well done thank you so I'll get back to the charity part in a minute. The way we grew the group so fast is because JR was looking for a local game group and I was looking for a local game group and some of those other five guys were also looking for a local game group, we had all been to other game stores looking for a group, right? And right. the two stores we went to didn't have a group. We had to create one. A few of the stores that we did find in the area who did have game groups... They were like disparate. It was like that game group over there and that game group over there. Fractured. And we, yeah, fractured. We live in a metroplex. It's a really large metropolitan area with lots of different cities. We have the internet, right? There's no reason we can't be connected. Yeah. You needed one ring to rule them all. And that was the inter ring. We tried infiltrating each one of the groups becoming like chummy with those groups and then making everybody friends. I imagine you almost wearing disguises and mustaches <laughs> like, hey, uh, I heard there's another group that meets on Thursdays. Sort of, except we weren't in disguise. We were very open about it. We like would go find out what they were playing, play games with them and be like, hey, you know what? We've got friends over here. We can, should talk on Facebook, whatever. We started connecting all of the local stores into one big group. I think we had 38 stores in our network. Holy cow. I've got four stores within a 30-mile radius from me. It's ridiculous. We have had too many. Like, a lot of those stores have went under. But our area is, you know, maybe 60 miles wide and 45 or 50 miles north-south in the big Metroplex area. And just there's wow. tons of stores. We connected them, comic books and different meetup groups we would go to meetups and be like hey guys we should be part of this facebook group and so it grew really fast and plus you know we were having these parties <laughs> throwing these parties which were a lot of fun so the success of that first charity-based party we had amy said hey why don't we do a toy drive for december since it's the time for giving gifts. Right. So we did a Toys for Tots drive. I think we had like maybe 90 people at that time. We were too big for the venue. Um, we would go to a local bar that would give us the space for free. And then they would give us a percentage of the door. And we packed the place out. There was standing room only. Or whatever. There was not even room to play games. Good problem to have. Yeah. So we ended up having to move to another venue and then to a third venue. And now we're into our fourth and fifth venues now. So this group is still alive and thriving right now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really big. I think we've got like 
6,000 members now. It's really large. So what's the range? Let's suppose I lived in Texas, like you, sir. In what area should I go ahead and check out on Facebook? Uh, DFW Nerd Night, the Facebook group. Just search it on Facebook and then mm-hmm. join. But w- what area should I be in? If I'm just anywhere around the Fort Worth area? So what we do on our website is we went to all of those game stores and created one big calendar. So you can go to any day of the night and find out what all of the game groups are doing on all of the stores around. That's brilliant. So you can kind of cross-reference and search and find things yeah or you can post in the group and there will be a million people in different areas being like yes we play over here and we play over there and we play over there you know come join us i don't want to interrupt too much but i feel like this is a cultural thing because in the dallas fort worth area Mm -hmm. driving a long distance is very common and that's one thing spending time with sean who is also a dallas native yep has taught me that it's no problem driving 30 minutes to a friend's house. It's very typical. You learn to do that growing up or whatever. Yeah. You needed to go somewhere. Where in the Cleveland, Akron area, you pretty much either spent your time in Cleveland or in Akron. But the reality is the distance between Cleveland and Akron, that's Dallas. <laughs> right. So th- there's, there is BOGA, which is Board Gamers of Greater Akron, and then there's the Cleveland Gamer Group as well, and those are different. And, of course, there's this Venn diagram overlap, right. but no one has come up with one ring to rule them all where everyone is just, that I know of at least, maybe they just didn't invite me because they don't like me, but if there's one universal group that binds all the other game groups and all the other game stores, this is incredible, man, because... Of the game stores I know, when I go in there, they don't have a mutual calendar that is shared with game groups that they... That's incredible. How did you convince the game stores to do that? Because we brought people. When you talk to your local group, say you have got like 30 people who come to your game night, every one of these stores have their own Facebook page. They're talking to those 30 people. But if you have a sale going on and you talk to my 6,000 members in the area... Yeah, that's a lot of power that you have. Still today, if I want to be like, does anyone have a copy of XYZ game? I'll have four or five stores who will be like, yes, we've got it. Come here, come there, come there, you know, whatever's closest. Nice. I can go yeah, to, it's you a know? good buy in. Yeah, it only makes sense. I'd be in if I was a game store owner for sure. And a lot of the game store owners can work together in orchestrating sales so that one's not getting kind of screwed over when the other person's doing it or you kind of work together some of the store owners locally were like you know what my books are open if any other you other game stores want to come let's talk let's talk it out how can we work together what you know how can we have leagues that coincide and work together if you're running low on stock can i send them over to you it just creates goodwill right it helps everybody right in a big metropolitan area, it's a thing that needed to happen that wasn't happening, and so we created it. There was the need, you fulfilled the need, and it yeah. came from your own personal need that you found in common with so many other people. Yeah, to find friends. To this day, because you said about five of you started this thing and really mm-hmm. caused it to spread like wildfire, but is there a singular godfather that is humble or deserves any credit or is there no godfather today has there been a a royalty so taking the mantle so jr and i are the main founders of that group although the other three guys all take a huge role in that as well but we have a board that runs kind of the group now and has like outreach mm-hmm. and stuff like that is it an official recognized group now that you actually have members pay dues or anything or is this still no formal <laughs> No, it's all super informal. We don't touch any money, even though we raise a lot of money for charity. 
we are a pass-through entity. That is, we don't exactly exist to the IRS at all. We don't ever touch money. We have charities come to us and handle the money. We just throw parties. Like we're just people who like to throw parties. That sounds so much more superior than trying to come up with a formal group where you have to have memberships and you have to pay dues right. and then you have to worry about taxes. We, and, we oh, may man. go to that in the future as we get larger Allowing larger corporate donations gives us a little bit more power in certain things, but uh, it opens up avenues that we don't have access to now. But it kind of takes a lot of money and responsibility that no one really wants to take right now. So right. a big thing with JR is organic growth. So instead of creating a five-year plan, it's just like, let's let it be what it's going to be. And if someone takes up a mantle and wants to do a cool thing, then we let them run with it and, you know, do the cool thing. Like for a long time, we had a video game centric nerd night. And then when that guy didn't want to do it anymore, cool, let's not do it anymore. And we used to have yeah. uh, nerdcore artists come from all over the country to perform at our parties. So there's like a big music element to them. And then he started getting more busy with work. And so when it stopped happening, it stopped happening. Like it just let it be what it's going to be naturally. You are so much cooler than me. This is so much cooler than almost anything I've done ever. <laughs> Let's get back to the charity element to it, and we can kind of work from there. The third month, we did some kind of raffles at that time to try to raise more money. The raffles felt really wrong. We felt like... We don't want to ask people for money. It just, it's not what we really do. So we stopped doing them immediately and we just do door prizes now. So ever since that third month, um, we have publishers who give us a lot of stuff to give away or anyone who yeah. wants to donate stuff. So now like there's never any kind of incentive to give any money. If you want to give, if you can give, by all means give. But your presence at the party is what's more important than anything because it's about building communities, not necessarily raising money. Sometimes raising money is important. Sometimes creating volunteer opportunities is more important. Sometimes just raising awareness, depending on the charity that we help each month. So ever since that third month, we decided formally that what we're gonna do is make this charity base. So each month we pick a charity that has some sort of local sway. It can't just be a national charity. It has to be something that right. helps our it local community. It can't be the community. Gates Foundation. It has to be local. We've done a lot of Big Brothers Big Sisters, but specifically the local chapter. Totally makes sense. It can't be pro or anti anything that is divisive. And that kind of gets us in hot water sometimes because we try to step away from taking stances publicly because the most important thing is being welcoming to everybody no matter what side of the aisle you are on any issues. It makes perfect sense. We want you to be welcome there. So it has to be local-based. It can't be pro or anti anything specific that is divisive, hot topic, um, which really leaves us with, like, battered women's shelters, stuff around children, animals, food drives, that kind of stuff. So we're kind of limited in what we help but there's surprisingly no end to the amount of people who need help. We try not to help any charity more than twice in a calendar year. So we try to spread the love. Each month, we have a nerd night in Dallas and one in the mid-cities. We're working on one in Fort Worth now as well. or going back to our roots in Fort Worth. We help the same charity for each one of our parties. So right now we're doing two a month. We're about to do three, maybe four, one in Denton as well. We try to find a local volunteer opportunity with said charity each month. So if anyone in the local group wants to get involved actually helping in person, 
we try to find something with that. And then we just throw a party where people come and play board games and we give a speech where uh, either me or JR or the actual person from who's representing the charity will get up and talk about whatever the charity of the month is and then people want to give. Or if people want to hear about more about it, they can reach out or whatever. And that's always created more and more gamers and more and more people getting into the community. What JR likes to say is we find that because the way we play games is so social, it goes hand in hand with doing charity work. We've always felt like we wanted to create a church-like social situation without any religion aspect to it. I totally understand what you're saying. You're talking about the gathering and the sharing and the communal feeling you get without the actual exclusion of you have to believe exactly what we believe in order to be part of this group. The only belief you really need to have is, I like playing games and hanging with people. Yeah, so that's our motto, play games and help people. That's amazing. I have two specific questions. Yeah. One's just a little selfish out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. My charity of choice, I put so much money into local and national rescue shelters for Mm -hmm. animals because i'm a huge sucker for dogs specifically yeah is that one of the charities that you all choose locally uh we do aspca quite often perfect Uh, different different aspcas we've done other animal-based shelters as well we've done equine therapy oh wow there's been a couple we've been doing this for I think we're on our seventh year now or sixth year, sixth year. We just had our sixth birthday. And it's still going just as strong as ever? Um, so it wanes. It, it, it gets really large. So we used to, the group as a whole is really large, is always growing, which surprises me that there are still gamers that we don't know about in our local area or who haven't heard about us. But our party, so what happens is we get so large. Our parties, we're getting up to like 250 people every month at our parties, which none of the local venues that were giving us a space could handle that many people. So things would get crowded, and so it would start waning again. Right, because people don't want to drive all the way out there just to find out they don't even have a place to sit. Right. So it ebbs and flows like the tide of the ocean. When we move to the next venue, it's very different, so then we have to kind of build back up. You know, we got to get the word back out. Hey guys, we're in a bigger venue now. So right now we're in a rebuilding phase. So our parties have shrunken a lot from their heyday when they were really large. Although we still do a nerd night at Gen Con every year, which is relatively large. I think this last year we had 1200 people. I go, I go. It's amazing. And there's the charity right there. It's so simple. You just come in, you play some games and if you want to donate some money, it's right there. Even take plastic. I love it. Yeah, we try to bring that to the people at conventions too, where it's always the first day of Gen Con where a lot of publishers who have booths who, you know, they've worked all day Wednesday setting up and their first day is exhausting. And you know what? You can come and kind of take your hat off and just chill and play some games and chill. It's welcoming to everybody. And, you know, there's a lot of people there. So, second question Mm -hmm. Have you been asked? to take your talents and organize the game stores into one big game group in other areas across the nation? And if not, would you be willing to, and what would it take? So when we've been asked that several times, at one point we organized a national nerd night, which is one nerd night that I think we had 17 cities do a nerd night. It got too large for us to handle. And what we decided was we have like a really set specific set of rules 
that local nerd night works for us. And several local groups in different areas have come to us and say, hey, how do we recreate this? And we kind of work with them and teach them what we've done and and then let them go do their own thing because they may feel differently. They may want to take official sponsorship. They may want to handle money. They may want to go 401c3 if they want. But like, we don't want to control that. We don't want you to follow our rules to your own things. How can we help you do that? So yeah, several cities have done that. There's one in LA right now. There's one in San Antonio. Do they still use the moniker Nerd Nighter? No, we no, we never we never do that because do your own thing, right? Do your own like yeah, yeah. You do your own thing, but by all means help. Uh, there was one in north of Seattle somewhere. Someone did one for a while, oh, and then cool. one in New York as well. But it's not quite the same thing, but. Yeah, which in my honest opinion, seems like it might be a mistake. I don't know. I'm naive to it. And maybe your formula in Dallas doesn't really apply to all the other locations. Right. But I saw the movie The Founder. And if you haven't seen the movie The Founder, it's about Ray Kroc and how he basically just totally took advantage of the McDonald's brothers. But one of the things that they had a hard time doing when they moved to the franchise was replicating their exact business model because theirs worked and everyone else wanted to do something slightly differently. Like one right. McDonald's was selling Mexican food and it just wasn't working. Right. And so yeah. Ray Kroc was the one who really cracked down and said, nope, you have to have it standard, standard, standard. Anyway. And that's why we're not going to put our name on something that's not us doing it because I don't want to know what you're doing. Like if you want help, I'll help you. But like, I don't want to like have to police your situation and have my name behind it or, you know, the Nerd Night name. Also, yeah. Nerd Night was a thing that existed before we did it. We never expected to grow large enough for it to matter. But Nerd Night is an actual recognized thing that is kind of like a miniature TED Talk that happens in a lot of cities. It's a very similar situation, but not board games and not for charity. But they gather at bars and give like mini TED Talks. Oh, wow. So there's a little competition for the name then. Well, they they reached out to us pretty early on with a cease and desist. And we said, we're not official anything. Oh, shiza. You can't shut us down. We don't exist. We're not... We're just a group of people who have a Facebook group. Yeah, know? we're not taking any money. Yeah, it's just a Facebook <laughs> so group. Like, That's uh, the beautiful thing about not being official. It's not a trademark, anything like that. Like, That's if so anything, cool. let's work together. We should do this together. We should, like, yeah. while you're giving talks, let's have some board games. How do we work together? And they're like, no, this is our name. So we didn't really want to, to have that fight. So we just did our own thing. And I mean, that almost goes against your entire mantra of... Just bringing people together for social activities and charity. So that, yeah. So yeah, that's what we did at Nerd Night. So we still, we still do it. We still, I mean, it's kind of grassroots. So we're not raising large amounts of money, but again, it's not about the money. I think we are just over $120,000 raised. Only. That's incredible, (laughs) man. For something that's not official, I commend you once more. And it's totally appropriate If you meet Ace and you play with him, because you have a very magnetic personality and you're very kind and very welcoming. And I think that this entire operation is almost a group embodiment of you. I think it's a representation of who you are is what I'm trying to say. Definitely. Definitely. It's a mixed group. It's not just me. It's me and JR and and several other people because... I am. Really... I would say that's a JR too, because JR so open and welcoming as well. You can definitely tell that this is not a line of bull crap. It is definitely heart forward. And yeah, that's for sure. what you're really leaning on. The things that I'm strong at is I have a really A type personality. I like to. I don't want to say I like to be in control, but I like to organize and get things done. 
Yeah. Well, as a psychologist, I should tell you, A-type personality is not a compliment. A lot of people misuse that term because there's right. three attributes, and one of the attributes is hostility, meaning you're a mean person. Well, I'm not mean, but... You are not. I like things to get done. Yeah, it's competitive, uh-huh. and time urgency are the other two traits for type A personality. Sorry, I'll no, psychology down. So JR is the opposite of that. He has a very large, charismatic personality, but he doesn't get anything done. So he comes up <laughs> with these ridiculous ideas. I get very angry because he doesn't talk to me about them, and I got to come up with a way to make them happen. But without JR, no one was going to come to my parties because they would be like, let's just talk about spreadsheets the whole time. Like it would be very structured and like everything would have a hard timeline, but it works together because if it wasn't for me, nothing would get done or at least in the beginning. Anyway, now we have a board that handles everything. It's interesting because it's tempting for me to say, well, you're the Sean and JR is the Alan in that duo, but that doesn't really apply because it's different. I could say there's parts of you that are in me and parts of you that are in Sean and JR. So it it's, doesn't acclimate, not to inject ourselves no, into fits. a comparison with you and JR. It's funny because on our podcast, I always play the straight man because I, I don't have like a big personality like JR does or like you do, I would say. I'm more literally <laughs> like the Sean guy. Although, unlike Sean, I'm the one who runs everything behind the scenes for the <laughs> podcast. So I go in and pre-interview everybody on the DL. JR is never part of the conversation so that I can make sure everything runs like clockwork. And JR comes in fresh, not knowing anything about anything. And everything's like the gold magic still happens. But I kind of rein it in all the time. But it works as a partnership. Yeah, but your show is also live, though, in front of people with video. So you actually see the people. So that Mm -hmm. prep is really important. Yeah. Whereas even though I'm running it, you have to give yourself more credit there. Because my pre-show is, hey, let's let's hang out and have fun. And if anything comes up you don't want to talk about, just let me know and we'll take it out right. within reason. Yeah, a little so. prep needs to be done before you do a live content thing. So <laughs> It's funny. I, I absolutely love your guys' show. I wanted oh, to thanks. say this. We didn't talk about this pre-show or anything, but since I um, went back to work kind of more full-time in the oilfield industry, I have less and less time to play games. And I used to listen to hours and hours and hours of board game content and because i can play games less than i used to i kind of i don't want to say i'm bitter but it kind of reminds me what i'm missing on and so i don't listen to a lot of board game content fomo but your show has so much energy just this the theme song gets me pumped and you guys could be talking <laughs> about grass growing or paint drying and like i would be super excited to listen to it so i absolutely love your show so i'm really appreciative that you had me on well, thanks for being an Avon. Welcome to the status of noble, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, you want to do a little sponsor spot for the Game Crafter with me? Sure. Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. <laughs> so be totally honest with me, Ace. How familiar are you with the Game Crafter? I know it very well. Some of the tools I use for TTS also export directly to the Game Crafter. So if you don't want to cut those pieces out yourself, (laughs) if you're in a hurry, you can have them do it. Oh, wow. So wait, explain this to me. So on Tabletop Simulator, let's suppose you worked really hard to upload all this work. You can actually upload it from the Game Crafter, or is it the other way around is what you're saying, where if you make something on Tabletop Simulator, you can just export it to the Game Crafter and have an actual physical 
analog version of the game made. So I use Nandek for my card production. Nandek natively exports to the files types that TTS accepts. It also okay. natively exports to the files that the game crafter accepts. So Oh wow. So you could just do both really easy. You just yes. export one, export the other, and then have it shipped to you. Once you have a prototype that's working digitally, which you could rapidly prototype for free, it's working, it's working, it's working. Now you want to make a, a physical copy, you just click a different button and it goes to the game crafter. Awesome. That's one more pro for the game crafter, one I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you for being a show with me, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Ace, thank you so much for being on. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we go? I think we got Nerd Night covered for sure. There's a lot I want to talk about. There's a lot we didn't talk about how we are similar. A lot of other cool stories. Yes. Well, I want you to know that this is a revolving door and an open door for you to come back anytime to hang out because we have so many stories to share. If people want to get in touch with you, how should they do it? The best way to reach me is through Twitter. My tag on Twitter is Seedling. It's exactly as it sounds. That's C-E-D-E-L-I-I-N-G. That's two I's. Important in there. Okay. That. Wait. Wait. C Seedling. C E. C E D E L I I N G. Yeah. Exactly how it sounds. Yes. Uh. Very good. And if you want to follow the podcast, we're at PlayTKG on Twitter. We're also on the Facebook. We're on Instagram as well. And if you want to email us your comments, questions, concerns, or if you want to go from a knave to a knight, we would love to hear your stories. They don't even have to be quality recordings at all. We'll put whatever you want up there and knight you. Email us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And I think with that being said, Ace... I think this episode is... Finished. Wait. You're supposed to wait a little bit, man. You don't just say finished right away. You got to give it like a whole three seconds of suspense. Finished. Okay.